1: In the squadron, they called him Bullets, but we call him Greg Kelly. Greg Kelly is on the air on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: Ah, huh? uh, that felt good. That felt really good. I just watched uh, two hours of Christopher Ray, who is the director of the FBI FBB Bureau bureaucrat being such a bureaucrat, defending that once amazing institution that sabotaged a presidency, that's screwed with an election. Um, they are not to be trusted. I'm sorry. It's, it's true. The FBI, boy, oh, boy, he was getting it pretty good. But he's a bureaucrat. Never forget, FBI, Federal Bureau of Investigation, bureau, bureaucrat. And uh, he was so bureaucratic. Oh, man, that was... Uh, I don't know. Uh well, I can't say anything at this time. Uh that is currently under review and I cannot say anything at this time otherwise I could conflict with the you know just a lot of that crap. A lot of that crap. And uh, it was very frustrating to me, but it was also very revealing because I could see his dishonesty. I could see the game playing. Um you know how much money he was making in the private sector? 9 million dollars a year. Christopher Ray. You know who I'm talking about, right? The FBI director. Uh, he was actually Chris Christie's good pal. Uh, that's how he got into Trump's orbit. He was recommended by Chris Christie. That's why he's the FBI director. And quite frankly, that's why my father is not the FBI director. Uh, Chris Christie uh, did not like uh, Ray Kelly for FBI. Ray Kelly was approached about being FBI in the Trump administration. He was. And Chris Christie got a hold of that and said, no way. Nope, stop that. Uh-uh. Can't happen. And uh, Chris, as you may remember, was... uh well, it was very tight with Trump or at least put himself near Trump a lot during the early days of his presidency and uh actually all through the he was like you know what he was he was a hanger on that's what he was another hanger on anyway finally matt gates gets up the plate matt gates republican of florida <laughs> uh great guy uh great on tv and uh, a great congressman all right shall we do this okay this is the whole thing a big chunk of it at least go
3: of the FBI whether or not they are buying information about our fellow Americans and the answer is well we'll just have to get back to you on that sounds really complicated but I have other questions I'm sitting here with my father I will make certain that between the man sitting next to me and every person he knows and my ability to forever hold a grudge that you will regret not following my direction I am sitting here waiting for the call with my father Sounds like a shakedown, doesn't it, Director?
4: I'm not going to get into commenting on that.
3: You, you you seem deeply uncurious about it, don't you? Almost suspiciously uncurious. Are you protecting the Bidens?
4: Absolutely not. The FBI well, does not the qu- has no oh, interest on. in You won't answer the question about whether or
3: not that's a shakedown, and everybody knows why you won't answer it. Because to to the millions of people who will see this, they know it is. And your inability to acknowledge that is deeply revealing about you. But let's go from the uncurious to the downright nosy. How many illegal FISA queries have occurred under your leadership of the FBI? Well, there are reports that have come out with different numbers about uh, compliance incidents. More than a million illegal ones? Because that's what the inspector general said. The inspector general said that in the 3.4 million of these queries, more than a million were in error. Do you have any basis to disagree with that, that assessment by the inspector general? I'm not I'm not sure, actually, that's a, com- a correct characterization of the inspector Stop general. Stop for a
2: second. Oh. You see what I mean about the bureaucratic speak? Well, I'm, I'm going to have to say that the characterization, right, all that stuff, that's a bureaucrat at work, and that's what he is. He's a bureaucrat in the most negative sense of the word. Uh bureaucrat. What is a bureaucrat technically? Yeah. Uh, look it up in the dictionary. An official in a government department, in particular, one perceived as being concerned with procedural correctness at the expense of the people's needs. Christopher Ray. they should have his picture next to that definition. All right, keep going. Yeah, keep going. Uh the American
3: people need to understand what just happened. All right, well, why don't you college. why
2: don't you scroll ahead? That's fine. Take your time. Um because he was just warming up. Sorry to interrupt the congressman there. Um Jim Jordan doesn't even interrupt uh, Congressman Gates when he's on a roll. It was great stuff. All of that needed to be said. The other thing I was wondering about, where's the apology? Where's the apology from the FBI? Uh we deserve one. You know, institutions love offering apologies these days. Um, Barack Obama apologized to the world for America being America. Also happens on a smaller scale. Um, you know, Microsoft apologized for, uh, building a factory on Indian land, right? <laughs> uh, I see Vanderbilt University apologized for using chat GPT for some reason. Um, for past, it's, it's very fashionable. It's what people do, but this is warranted. We need an apology for the FBI, what they did in the election of 2020, covering up the FBI laptop, a million other screw ups. So, oh, by the way, um, at one point, one guy did actually apologize. His name was Richard Clark. He wasn't an FBI agent, but he, he, he apologized for the federal government not stopping 9-11. Imagine that. Imagine somebody taking responsibility. All right. We're ready. Keep going.
3: Have occurred under your leadership of the FBI. Well, there are reports that have come out with different numbers about uh, compliance incidents. More than a million illegal ones? Because that's what the inspector general said. The inspector general said that in the 3.4 million of these queries, more than a million were in error. Do you have any basis to disagree with that that assessment by the inspector general?
4: Uh, I'm not not sure. Actually, that's a a correct characterization of the inspector general's uh, findings on that. Oh, well, the Internet
3: will remind you of that in moments. But but let's now go to uh, what the the court said. The court said it was over 200,000 that have occurred on your watch. Do you have any basis to disagree with that assessment? Again, I don't have the numbers I sit here right now. What I can Seems like a number you should know how many times the FBI is breaking the law under your watch, especially if it's like over a million to not know that number? And I'm worried about your veracity on the subject as well. Play, this, play the video.
4: Letters for you investigation to the FISA of court? the you I don't, don't to- believe FISA is remotely implicated in our investigation.
3: You, you, so, so there, Senator Lee's asking you whether or not FISA was in any way involved in your January 6th investigation, and you say no. It, was that truthful?
4: I said that I did not believe it was.
3: Okay, so now let's pull up what the court said, which was something a little different than what you said. So, so here, No, nope, that's not the right one. Yeah, here we go, right for a here. second.
2: You know what FISA is, right? The Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, okay? It is a way to get um you can actually surveil without a uh without a warrant. You can get wiretaps and it is ripe for all kinds of abuse and the FBI has been caught abusing it. All right, and they used it to get Trump. Um and they broke the law and they got caught. And here he is just trying to obfuscate, confuse, but Matt Gates is having none of it. All right, keep going.
3: The government has reported additional significant violations of the querying standard, including several relating to the January 6, 2021 breach of the Capitol. So I guess the question, Director A, is did, did you not know when you were answering these questions that the FBI was engaging in these illegal searches, or did you perjure yourself to Senator Lee?
4: I certainly didn't perjure myself. At the time that I testified in front of the Senate Judiciary Committee... Uh, I didn't have that piece of information. I will add. Well, that was
3: a court order. You didn't have that piece of information because the court hadn't yet rendered a judgment. Did you not know when you gave the untruthful answer before Senator Lee that this was going on?
4: It was a, it was a truthful answer. I did not believe FISA had been involved in the January But it
3: was. So you didn't. The answer is the FBI has broken so bad. That people can go and engage in queries that when you come before the Congress to answer questions, you're like blissfully ignorant. You're blissfully ignorant as to the unlawful queries. You're blissfully ignorant as to the Biden shakedown regime. And it just seems like it gets into a kind of a creepy place as well. Go to our our next image on what the court said. Like, Just so the American people realize, the the court has smacked you down, alleging or ruling FBI personnel apparently conducted queries for improper personal reasons. People were looking themselves up. They were looking their ex-lovers up. Who has been held accountable or fired as a consequence of the FBI using the FISA process as their, like, creepy personal snoop machine?
4: There have been instances in which individuals uh, have had disciplinary action uh, and they are no longer with it. I I can't get into it here, but we can follow back up. But don't you
3: see don't you see that that's kind of the thing, Director A, that you preside over the FBI that has the lowest level of trust in the FBI's history? People trusted the FBI more when J. Edgar Hoover was running the place than when you are. And the reason is because you don't give straight answers. You give answers that that later a court deems aren't true. And then at the end of the day, you won't criticize an obvious shakedown when it's directly in front of us. And it appears as though you're whitewashing the conduct of corrupt people.
4: Respectfully, Congressman. In your home state of Florida, the number of people applying to come work for us and devote their lives working for us is over up over a hundred percent.
3: We're deeply proud say. of them, and they deserve better than you.
4: Damn!
2: Good for him. Good for him. That was some good stuff. Had to be said. And he won't give you a straight answer. That's the problem. That's the problem with uh, Christopher Ray. Hey, uh, all that money I mentioned, right? He made nine million dollars his last year before becoming FBI director. Why do you take a nine million dollar pay cut? Why does anybody do that for power? For power and perks. Okay. Who cares? It's just another uh, partner at a law firm. I mean, you, you know, okay. That's nice. Yeah. These guys do make out like bandits. A lot of them. Nine million dollars a year at King Spalding. Some international law firm headquarters in Atlanta. That's where he was working in anonymity. But, um, you know, money, yeah, gets, a, gets old. You, you, you can only buy, uh, so much. How many yachts can you ski behind? Uh, can you water ski behind Gordon? Uh, there's a limit and uh, he got tired of the money so he how much does he make now he makes 185000 dollars that's the highest paid guy in the FBI okay and you know what he was doing today he was bitching about his pay he was complaining about it saying his wife has been uh, bugging him about uh, the pay cut maybe he should go back to the private sector did you see those whistleblowers a few weeks ago uh whistleblowers in the FBI who don't like the politicization of everything who don't like the unfair targeting of the January 6 people some of them uh, who don't like uh, mothers and fathers at school board meetings being called uh, domestic terrorists, they came forward and they had one hell of a story to tell what happened. They were suspended, but they were put in a very unique situation, a kind of limbo where they can't work, they can't work in security, and that's what they do. That's their skill. That's their job. And these guys have to go to the Salvation Army. They have to go to soup kitchens to feed their family. It's no exaggeration. It's in public testimony. They can't, they're prohibited by law from working elsewhere. And that guy, that <laughs> had the nerve to complain about his, uh, six figure salary. 185, I think it's actually in the low, it's like 230,000 when you count in all the benefits, you know, medical and that kind of stuff. You can't count in the benefit of a private jet that he gets <laughs> flying all over the place. He gets a, a, a private jet. Isn't that wild? Isn't that what, what? Why does the FBI director need a private jet? Um, I mean, why? I mean, what? What? Why? What would he ever be needed if there was a hostage negotiation or something like that? He doesn't have any skill in that. He doesn't have any tactical law enforcement background or experience or knowledge or anything. Why do they have that jet to to make the director happy? You know who abuses it? Uh, I think Director Ray abuses it. In fact, I looked it up. The the aircraft, the airplane is kept at a little airport in Manassas, Virginia, which is about 40 miles outside of D.C. Uh, you know what they do? They fly that plane all the way to Reagan National so he doesn't have to drive to the airport. All right. So he can have a 10 minute trip to the airport instead of a one hour trip to the airport. Um, and then he lies to Congress about uh, where he's going. One point he walked out of a congressional oversight hearing claiming that he had business to do elsewhere and what was he doing? He was on his way to the airport to get on that private jet to take him to the Adirondack Mountains where his family has a house, and he's been going since the, I don't know, the 1970s or something like that. Hey, after that Matt Gates thing, two things on that. Did you notice the last part? Hey, can you play the last part one more time, the very last part, about the recruitment and how many people, how many people from Florida? What was that all about? Um, He said... This was two gates. He said, we have, we're getting a hundred percent more applications from Florida, right? You got it? Okay, good. Let's try it.
4: In your home state of Florida, the number of people applying to come work for us and devote their lives working for us is over, up over a
3: hundred percent. We're deeply proud of them and they deserve better than you.
4: The
2: thing about that is he was ready with that little statistic, right? He was ready. He had his team look it up, right? They gave it to him. And he's got a big entourage. He's got 17 people with him. 17 people, lackeys, walking in and out and giving him, prepping him for this stuff. He doesn't know anything. He has no specifics whatsoever. I'll have to get back to you. Uh Yeah, we're working on a letter. Uh We don't want to, all that, uh, there will be pending review, uh, pending litigation. I'll, I will say, I can't say at this point, Or, but that, he had it right, ready, ready, at the ready. Why would he have that at the ready? Because he was expecting an onslaught from Matt Gates, and that somehow is supposed to put Matt Gates in his uh, in his place. Hey, and just because the applications are up, uh, what the hell kind of people are thinking about joining the FBI right now? Seriously, I mean, are they maybe they're in it for uh, to abuse power? Because it's happening now. It's happening now. Maybe we're attracting the wrong type of people, but uh, they definitely have the wrong guy up there, and uh, it needs to be disbanded. It needs to be rebranded. We need federal law enforcement, but uh, sorry. Uh, the FBI has ruined itself. I'll be right back.
1: Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network. Uh,
2: big story in the inside the beltway, inside the bubble, uh, and that's New York too. Media bubble, political bubble that over there at Fox News, the owner of Fox News, that's Rupert Murdoch, right? He still owns it and, uh, his sons, well, they are, they were building up Ron DeSantis. Ron DeSantis, he was the next big thing, right? And, uh, it's almost like Ron DeSantis worked for the Murdochs. Uh, we've seen that before. Uh, these Murdochs, uh, these uh, billionaires, these oligarchs, they think, uh, they think they run the world. And in some ways, they actually do. Uh, so they anointed this guy. They built him up. They made him into this, but it turns out he's a big bust and they have finally figured that out. Uh, Murdochs are often the last to know. And uh, they have figured out that this guy is, you know, he may have gone to Harvard, but he's just hes kind of mediocre. At least on the presidential stage, he was not made for this. He was not at all. He may, reminds me a little bit of Beto O'Rourke. Remember that Beto? I was born to do this and it was cover of Vanity Fair and it was, he was going to be he was going to take the world by storm. And well, it was a great big fat bust. This is uh, a great big fat bust. Sorry, it's not working out. When is he going to quit? When is he going to drop out? He'll probably stay in all the way until the, uh, the Iowa primary. I mean, they're doing, they're desperate. The, the swamp, the, the establishment, they're getting very, very desperate. Uh, but now there's talk about uh, the Virginia governor, Glenn Youngkin. I don't know much about him other than that he looks like the governor from that TV show, Benson. Remember Benson? Uh, nobody remembers Benson. Okay. That's all right. Um, that was a TV show and it was about, I don't, it was about a governor's butler and whatever. But, um, it was funny too. What was that guy's name? Robert Goulam, Gou, So it looks like DeSantis is not impressing people and, but it doesn't matter you and me. It's the big guys, the, the huge donors. And actually it does matter a little bit because the little donors, the small dollar donations are not coming to Ron DeSantis. Who's noticing that? The big, the big guys uh the people with the deep pockets speaking of big guys uh let's see uh where's biden he's still on that uh, summit making people uh really sh- shake their heads it's just pathetic he skipped the big dinner he went over there to have the big dinner with the nato chiefs and uh he skips the big dinner now there is something of a of a slow slow game changer this whole thing with the granddaughter Now, if you've been looking at my content, I've been talking about Joe Biden's granddaughter for a year and a half. I looked it up the first time I put it on Twitter and on this show was February of 2022. The New York Times got around to it last week. That's the first time they brought it up. And people are starting to it's starting to sink in. Wait a second. He is a granddaughter that he doesn't acknowledge.
0: And people don't like that. This episode is brought to you by Shopify.
1: Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
5: I have six grandchildren, and I'm crazy about them. I speak to them every single day.
2: You're wrong, you've got seven, you creep. I'm sorry, Joe Biden, you t- <laughs> And everybody's gonna start calling you a creep. Peggy, Peggy from uh, Montgomery. County, Maryland calls you a creep. That's Maureen Dowd's sister. Who's Maureen Dowd? She's the, uh, columnist for the New York Times. But she decided to finally write a story about Joe Biden's unacknowledged grandchild. Her name is Navy. She lives in Arkansas. And, uh, if Peggy, Maureen Dowd's sister knows about it, uh, and Maureen Dowd wrote about it, well, the elites are now talking about it. You could be an elite. You could be, uh, you could be a person in America and not know a damn thing about Navy until um, well, until the New York Times started talking about it. If you seek out conservative media, if you seek out my content on uh, here and on uh, Twitter, I've been talking about this for a year and a half because it violates some fundamental principle, right? You have a baby somewhere. It must be cared for. It must be acknowledged. You don't run from your responsibility as um, as the Bidens uh, have. I mean, they've gone to court to shun this girl. Anyway, they wrote the story. And it's like, he's cold-hearted. How can he do this? He must acknowledge that 7 year that, that, that little girl, the seventh grandchildren, grandchild, must be acknowledged. New York Times said that out loud. And, um, so that gets the mainstream media talking about it. But guess what? They're still defending Joe. Uh, let's see here. Do you, do you watch The View? Is that still on TV? It is. Now, the thing about it, do you realize this is technically ABC News? The view falls under ABC News, and this is what they call news over there. Cut three.
0: You have both parents kind of weaponizing the child, because yeah. I know that Hunter yeah. Biden is, like, denying the child his name, which may make sense because they were never together. I don't don't understand, but they're fighting legally. The mom's posing the child with all these caps. The sad part here is the child is the innocent victim here that didn't make any choice and is having to suffer as a result. I do, the only time, I think uh, President Biden doesn't need to overstep his son. I like that part, but Mm -hmm. I don't know why they go out of their way to say six grandchildren or four kids. When my parents talk about me, they say, we love all our kids. We love our grandbabies. I've never seen them (laughs) numerically repeat over and over I like re- three kids. I like four. of no, This, I, re- like re- this. Re- I like
6: five. This. The reason that's happening is because the right wing, who again is weaponizing everything related to Hunter, keeps asking. So, how many children do you have, Mr. President? No, it's been grandchildren. You have? How written, many speeches he's written?
2: Well, well, he well were- Wow, weaponizing, weaponizing. They yeah, always talk about weaponizing. You know where that came from? Weaponizing. What are they talking? It has to do with the Iraq War. Weaponizing. But uh, are we weaponizing it? Any person can understand this. You can't be the president of the United States. With an unacknowledged grandkid somewhere. <laughs> you just can't. You can't. And people have figured it out. Who was that first one who spoke? It's interesting that she had to go on explaining herself and making sure that she was criticizing the mother of this child before she barely, barely even hinted at criticism of Joe Biden for being uh, a degenerate. Sorry. Um, but that's what they do. Mainstream media. Here we go. This is a bit bit more uh, direct and defense. Uh, what's her name? Dana? Dana? Spelled Dana, but she calls herself Dana. Dana Bash. Cut four.
6: This is a story that is sad and disturbing on so many levels. Um, Yes, it is political for a couple of reasons. Um, Number one, yes, Republicans are using it and are going to take advantage of it in a way that is unfortunate and inappropriate. But the reason they're doing
2: that... How in the hell is this inappropriate? It's forget- Forget it. This is one of the reasons why you don't become president, why you don't run. This is a major, major scandal. And it has, you know what? He could fix it. He could fly Air Force One down there to Little Rock and say, I want to see my granddaughter. He could. And he can actually turn this loser of an issue into a big, uh, I mean, I will, I'll never forget. But for these people, for these idiots, he could actually turn it around. That would be one hell of a gesture. And it would be the right thing to do, oh, by the way. Keep going.
6: But the reason they are doing that is because, and able to do that, is because of the brand and the kind of person that we all know and believe Joe Biden to be because it's who he says he is. And it's somebody who is a family man. That's what we see all of the time.
2: What does that mean? We see it all of the time. When did Dana Bash works for CNN? When did you go into uh, business as a Democrat strategist, communication specialist? I guess it's the same thing being on CNN, Democrat strategist, communication specialist, uh, Fake Jake Tapper, the most pompous man I've ever seen possibly in my life with those glasses and that scowl, nasty guy. Uh, let's see, uh, this is uh, bad, too. Cut seven.
7: For the sake of fairness that Navy's mom, uh, Hunt, uh, who you know had the in- uh, incident with Hunter that resulted in this, in this beautiful child, uh, she has uh, been caught up in some far-right mm. folks.
2: Like what? In fairness to what? She has political views. Hey, what the hell is far right anyway? What is far right? They just—they tried to stigmatize anybody who's MAGA with far right. I mean, far right, far right wing. What does that mean? You know what they're trying to do? It's what they try to do to Tommy Tuberville, right? Oh, you must be a white nationalist. A white what? We don't know what the hell you're talking about. Okay, Make America Great Again is about having a border. Is about. Uh, not getting into wars and losing them, okay? <laughs> it's about, yes, the Second Amendment. Uh It's about less regulation, not more. It's about stopping this gender mess. Does that sound far right wing to you? It's not. It's not at all. Um It's reasonable. It's totally reasonable. Um But we're not living in reasonable times. We're not. I mean, after all, <laughs> look at who the mayor is. <laughs> I found a few more moments from that crazy appearance he did at that cultural center over the weekend, uh, the Christian Cultural Center. I really like A.R. Bernard. I don't know why he keeps on inviting Eric Adams to uh, come up there and yell at everybody. Uh, let's see here. Uh, cut. Now, do you think this ever happened? I think this is Eric Adams. Uh, what's the word? Lying again. Cut 17.
8: They would disrespect her. Talk down to her. He's talking about his mom. She would come home, fired again, and I would wait up late at night for mommy. And she will walk through the door and say she was fired again from a job. She said, it was my job to clean your garbage pail, not to take your crap.
2: (laughs) Oh, even the audience knows that's BS. (laughs) No way she said that. Okay, no way. Uh, What was he doing waiting up late? The mommy would say, what are you doing? Why aren't you in bed? Um, next, more tall tales, uh, cut 18.
8: And she would say to me, baby, don't you ever let someone disrespect you. And no matter where I am, mommy transitioned almost two years ago, but I hear her every time someone thinks they're going to step up and disrespect me. Mommy said, don't you ever let someone disrespect you.
2: Wow. Where does he think he is in the playground? I mean, in the street? You know, I'm sorry, but this is that kind of mentality, that kind of, uh, and quite frankly, the anger. This is how people sometimes get shot, all right? You know, dis- disrespecting it. You know what? Life is more important than, uh, than respect or lack thereof. You know, the mom. You know, no disrespect to your mom at all, but you, and next time you see this guy, boo your head off, all right? And you're supposed to do that with the mayor. You're supposed to. Ask Ed Koch. He thrived on it. The late, great Ed Koch. Can't ask him anymore. Uh then there was that oh, okay, we played the thing about the incompetence. That was gibberish. How about this part? Uh what is this all about? You know, his big new brand is talking about God. Oh, I'm a and watch this, they give me a hard time because I'm talking about God. Um No, no, that's the what's going on here, it's not sincere. It's not sincere. He he when he talks about God, he just talks about look at me, I'm talking about God. He doesn't talk about it any more deeply than that. So it's just another political trick. And let's see, what do we got here? Uh and because he believes in God, you can't criticize him. Have you ever heard of that? I believe in God. You can criticize the hell out of me. I don't (laughs) I mean, I I kinda have a public job. I got the, the Twitter stuff. I mean, people are I love people. I love I love the people with their so called disrespect. They're funny and interesting and intelligent, and sometimes they totally get it. Uh love your enemies. That's in the Bible, pal. But this is the really uh, bizarre. Uh, well, you tell me. Cut twenty.
8: He said, "I've taken this broken child and made him the mayor, and you are still, oh ye of little faith, question his abilities of what he's doing. You question him if you want. I know who God I serve."
2: What a narcissistic, um, sick weirdo we have here, right? Oh ye of little faith. Wait, he's saying if I question Eric Adams' ability that I have little faith in God. That's what he just said. Am I am I reading this wrong? I want you guys to pay attention to this. All right, one more time. All right, let's listen carefully. Cut what was it again? Twenty.
8: He said, I've taken this broken child and made him the mayor, and you are still, oh ye of little faith. Question his abilities of what he's doing. You question him if you want. I know who God I serve.
2: Yeah, I think he's actually talking about himself and you still cuz he went on this whole thing about about how good a job he's doing and yet I'm still getting criticized. Let's go back a little bit further and get reached like about a minute before that happens. It's right as he wrapped up. Is that weird? Yes it is. It is psychotic and narcissistic. And he's got a big problem. Hey, back to the FBI thing. They just uh they're having a break there. I see that Christopher Ray has about 17 different guys with him, aides, security, that kind of thing. And it's funny, he didn't know anything. He, all these questions he did not have the answer to. Well, get one of your lackeys to go back to uh, the office and get the uh, get the answer for the people, the American people. You know what he did? A lot of hiding behind the men and women of the FBI. It sounds great when you're a bureaucrat, when you start talking about, the men and women of your organization, the men and women of the FBI, do an amazing job every day. The men and women of the state department do an amazing job every day. The men and women of the department of energy do an amazing job every day. So if you criticize the department and the policy in the administration, they try to pull this little trick. You're actually questioning and undermining the men and women of the FBI, the men and women of the department of state, the men and women of the energy department. You see what they do? It's a trick, and it's a little, it's a right out of the bureaucrat snake playbook. And uh, it's kind of one-on-one. Hide behind, hide behind them. What else do they like to do? Uh, pretend they don't know anything. And use these, um these little outs, these, the, the the vagaries in the language. And sometimes, sometimes they forget. And they just write out lie. They just tell a lie. And I think we have one of those moments. This is Daryl Issa, the Republican of uh California an amazing guy oh by the way did you know he was a car thief at one point the guy knew how to steal cars and he had a turnaround he found god i believe and actually became a master installer of car alarms and became a billionaire doing it it's a really great story we have this okay here he goes. this is daryl isa talking to the fbi director
5: uh memphis uh um... How many individuals were either FBI uh, employees or people that the FBI had made contact with were in the January 6th uh, entry of the Capitol and surrounding area?
4: So I, I, really need to be careful here talking about, uh, where we have or have not used confidential human sources. Was right? there one or, or more, six, was
5: there 30? one or more individuals that would fit that description on January 6th that were in or around the Capitol? I, I,
4: I believe there is a, uh, a filing in one of the January 6th cases that can provide a little more information about this and I'm happy to see if we can follow back up with you. I, on, I just want that. an yeah.
5: answer. Was there one or more? I mean, you would know if there was at least one individual who worked for the FBI who entered the Capitol on that day.
4: Uh, I can't, again, I just can't speak to that here, but I'm happy to get the court filing that. Look, it's
5: been two years, and you're now, you're now come before us. The gentleman asks these questions, makes all kinds of insinuations, and you, you nod your head yes, and then I ask you simply, was there one or more? And you won't answer that. So I'm going to make the assumption that there was more than one, more than five, more than ten, and that you're ducking uh the the question because you don't want to answer for the fact that you had at least one and somehow missed understanding that some of the individuals were very dangerous and that there were others inciting individuals to enter the Capitol after others broke windows. So Wow.
2: Um That's not the part where he lied actually. That's the part where he played the, 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 the bureaucrat game that they all play and he plays I don't want to say he plays it well because it's so crude. You can, you can see it right there. It's not elegant. It's not sleight of hand. I mean, there's sometimes you got to play the swamp game, but he's just clumsy. Um, but there's another, okay, there's another one where he says, I don't know. I don't know whether or not there were undercover agents there. Now he does know that. And that's where he caught himself. And actually the, the questioner caught him, too. It's pretty good. Uh, uh, Oh, you lost Morty. Morty was thinking about joining the FBI. I wonder why. I'll be right back.
1: Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: Remember the annoying, very annoying Dylan Mulvaney? Uh, Dylan Mulvaney. Uh, the CNN is in all kinds of trouble because Dylan did not use, I'm sorry, some guy at CNN did not use D- uh, Dylan's preferred pronouns. All right, I'll stop right there. Uh, I will use the pronouns that that person deserves. He, him, him. Who cares, really? I mean, are we going to be done with uh, them pretty soon? Sandra, hi.
6: Hi, Greg. You know, this Eric Adams, the more he reveals himself, and he's really a joke, really, the more it makes it easy for you to become the next mayor. It's like you two are like night and day. Totally different. You know, I so know, but I you know
2: what? It would be such a pain in the neck to run for mayor. You got to go around asking people for money and stuff like that, and I don't know. I I, I don't know. And you got to be. I don't know. I, I I don't know. I've been thinking about it. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know if I have the patience for it. To be honest, you know. And you got to listen to people all day long. And some of them are great. Some of them are not so great. I don't know. Well,
6: you do it on the radio. You listen to people all the time and you hear what they have to in say in short doses, that... in
2: short doses. I don't want to be at some uh, you know, in some meeting in uh in South Brooklyn, you know, for 3 hours, you know. I don't know if I want to do that to be honest. I just don't. I mean, sometimes I do, but uh, right now at this moment I don't. So, uh I don't know. It's a lot of it's a lot of work. You put a great big target on your back. Everybody's right in Can you imagine? Can you imagine somebody raising money, right? And the, just getting donations and big so they can run nasty commercials about you can you imagine if I were actively involved in uh in, in you know taking in funds so I could r- run a nasty commercial on television about you Sandra can you imagine that what that would be like I mean and and then to go into that process willingly voluntarily I don't know I I gotta say I don't know if it's for me I really don't and my 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 daughter's growing up you know do they need do they need protesters outside the outside the the house? Although the house would be Greasy Mansion. I don't know, Sandra. Thank you very much. Uh, Let's try Mike. Hi.
5: Greg, how are you? Real
2: quick. uh, The
8: weather I want to talk about, the mayor and the governor in New Jersey. The mayor in New York. All right, well, hey,
2: uh, you know, you don't. Okay, let's talk about uh, what's the first thing you wanted to talk about, and we'll leave it at that. All right. (laughs) Uh, The weather, (laughs) I'd like to talk about department stores and the stuff I want for Christmas. Okay. Uh, Mike, just go.
8: Okay. The weather. They say this is the worst storm oh, in Vermont for
2: global warming. I, yeah.
8: Right? Right? So
5: I looked it up. In 1913, they had 11 inches of rain. I'm just saying, for people, right. don't take the bait when it comes to this global warming crap. That's all.
2: All right, thanks. Yeah, I know, but the rain has been bad. I feel really terrible. I see this picture of that girl up there in uh, Highland Falls who... um Drowned. I mean, my gosh, you know that's just just uh, awful. And I know it's been happening for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. Becky in Oregon. Hello.
6: Oh hi, hi Greg. Um, when you play Eric Adams, it always reminds me of this Bible verse. I looked it up. It's uh, because he because he keeps dragging God into it. You know, he keeps mentioning God, and I feel like I'm going to have a panic attack. Okay, it's Matthew twelve thirty six. Well, wait, just before you mention
2: that, it's okay. I mean. It's obviously fine to talk about God, but he does it in a divisive way and also in a look at me way. Look at me. It's not about him, capital H. It's about him, small h, Eric. And that's what I don't like. And he's, he's using it as a device, as a tool. But please continue.
6: Okay. So these are the words of Jesus. He said, But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give it. They will give account of it in the day of judgment. So, you know, you just can, can't be talking like that. And that's not even counting false statements.
2: That's all. Uh, alright, so he's gonna have a lot of uh, explaining to do for the big man. I'm not gonna get involved in that. We're all gonna have some explaining to do. Let's face it, Becky. Even you in Oregon. What's going on out there? We're in Oregon. What's it like?
6: Uh, it got hot, but it's, it's nice. Not, not a lot going on. <laughs>
2: That's kind Quiet. of how I pictured it. I mean, where in the state are you? Where? Yeah, in the middle, uh, right?
6: Well, yeah, and my town is right next to the Columbia River. On, it's on the Col- Columbia River.
2: Mm, that doesn't narrow it down for me. I have no idea where that river is. Is that the river that Evil Knievel jumped all those years ago? No, that was some other river. <laughs> Becky, yeah, I'm no, so. D- what? D-
6: the Columbia River divides Oregon and Washington.
2: Ah, all right. Well, I'm so pleased that you listen, and uh, thank you. And uh, to be continued. And yeah, I don't think Eric understands what it's all about. I hope he uh, settles down and gets a little bit quieter because because this stuff, this stuff is, um, you know, here, look, there's one, one, three, one, three. one, three, one,
8: three. I think that you've had a lot of mayors that did the waltz, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. I do the boogaloo, a salsa.
2: Ooh, how cool. And how about this one? Next one, one four.
8: Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable. And,
2: and here's a little bit more race card, cut 1 5.
8: Let me tell you what hard is. Hard is picking cotton from sun up to sundown, giving birth on the field, and going back to pick cotton some more.
2: Wow. <laughs> Just, uh, okay.
1: Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: You know, Air Force One is um, just leaving, it looks like uh, Vilnius, Lithuania. Uh, Lithuania, and it's on the runway there. And for the first time ever, it looks big and old. The 747. That plane, uh, the 747 has been around since 1969. This particular plane, that very model, what I'm looking at right now, that I've actually been on it has been around since 1990. That's 32, 33 years old. And in all likelihood, um, if you're flying anywhere or have flown anywhere recently, it was not on a 33 year old airplane. It's a very old, uh, that's very old for a plane. And one of the reasons why it looks so old is because of the hump. Because of the hump. Go to the airport. Look up, look up at planes landing. You hardly ever see 747s anymore. Uh, because they're, they're so old. Now there is a new variant called the 747-8, which the hump goes all the way back to like the middle of the plane. That's cool. Um, but this is not that. This is a 747, uh, 200 series, I believe. And it looks ancient. I'm starting to, I can actually see the rivets on the side. I'm not saying the metal, what is that? Metal fatigue? I mean, the plane's not gonna crash, but it just, it's, it's showing some wear and tear. And even the paint job looks old. The paint job, like it's just like that big dollop of blue in the front, it used to look interesting. Now it's uh, now it looks like a an airline that's gone out of business or going out of business. It needs a paint job, and you know what? It needs Trump Force One. Do uh, you remember one of the first things he did, Donald Trump? He renegotiated uh, with Boeing the Air Force One uh, situation because we're buying another plane. It's way overdue. And it's going to be that 747-8 thing I was talking about. It's going to be a, a new, better plane. And Donald Trump even came up with a new, better paint job. Let's not go with the old paint job. Let's, you know, it needs updating. Uh, it desperately needs updating. And you know what he did? He negotiated the price. He negotiated it down. He got it like a billion and a half off. He knew we were being ripped off. That's what defense contractors do. They rip off America. Um, And he got it down to it, and he had experience doing that. What other president has ever purchased his own plane, right? And it was actually the kind of beautiful thing. And the fake news, they poo poo that, you know, "We, we, we can't have politicians. Politicians are not supposed to do that. Politicians are supposed to. What are politicians supposed to do? Raise money, make promises, do favors, ask for favors, raise money, ask for your vote, make commercials i mean this rolling up your sleeves stuff and actually getting involved in the mechanics way but you're not supposed to do that it doesn't work that way that's for the bureaucrats what are the bureaucrats gonna do you're gonna put us out of a job that's a big chunk of this right there james Flippin just walked in the room james uh our news guy what's going on
7: hey greg good afternoon how you doing
2: well uh just tell me this what am i missing because i'm so focused on the a couple of things. Christopher Ray, mm-hmm. the Biden granddaughter thing, which I think is uh, an amazing story. Mm-hmm. Uh, Adams' Adams's lunacy intrigues me a little bit, but even that's getting old. What am I missing locally?
7: Well, let's see. We're talking a lot about the fact that there's ongoing flood cleanup in the Hudson Valley and oh. trains are getting back to normal after all the devastation there on Sunday. Then we also have four people shot outside of a park in the Bronx last night. And that kind of feeds into this story where Siena College put out a poll showing 6 in 10 New Yorkers fear they're going to be a victim of crime sometime soon.
2: Oh, and that's what Eric Adams is running around saying, I'm a victim of bad media. He's getting bad press. That's what he's doing. He's saying I it's all a lie. It's all a makeup job. Well, four people, four guys were shot
7: in the Bronx, what neighborhood? Two kids, by the way. What neighborhood? Fordham Manor.
2: I went to Fordham University. I could never quite figure out where Fordham Manor was. Where is Fordham Manor? You know, uh, I know. Fordham Manor. What was the relation? I think it's probably due north. It was at,
7: I know it was at St. James Park, if that does anything. How old you. were the kids? Three and six. Shot in the legs. Oh, they're going to be okay, though? They are. All four victims expected to be okay. Um, what was the issue? Uh, we don't know yet. We know that there were two alleged shooters riding scooters, which this follows up on last weekend's you know shooting spree in Queens and Brooklyn, where a guy was riding a scooter. I
2: I wonder if it had anything to do with this matter. Cut one eight. Cut one eight. Because people can get really worked up about about this. Cut one eight.
8: And she would say to me, "Baby, don't you ever let someone disrespect you, and no matter where I am." Mommy transitioned almost two years ago, but I hear her every time someone think they're gonna step up and disrespect me. Mommy said, don't you ever let someone disrespect you.
2: I get disrespected all the time. It's really no big deal. You gotta let it go. You gotta let it go. You just gotta let it go. If you went around, I mean, I would not, I would, I would not be able to, let's see, where was I disrespected first today? Had a pleasant cab ride. I can't blame all right, that. That's good. Uh Had a, mm, well, nothing comes to mind. But, so I mean, you have incidents all the time. You, the, these little micro, don't they call them microaggressions? They do. Yeah, they call them microaggressions. And you can't yell your head off about something like that and, and, and do something. And I feel like, quite frankly, I'm sorry, but with all these guns running around and uh, so many teenagers with the guns and that kind of mentality that Eric Adams just so uh, uh bizarrely summarized can lead to violence
7: yeah i mean it does seem like there's a lot of that sort of uh machismo um you know you disrespected me you know you can't say that about me um that sort of thing does seem to fuel a lot of the violence in this country and certainly in this city i like that word you used machismo you don't hear it very much you used to hear macho
2: remember macho man now uh, machismo which is uh what is machismo what is machismo that's uh Masculinity, that's, uh, well, Diego, uh, that's a Latin word. Uh, what's the deal with machismo exactly?
9: It's like, um, like being...
2: Man, a man. A man, yeah. You like... can act like a man! When, mm-hmm. when the Godfather grabbed the actor and, and slapped him around because he was crying, you gotta be a little bit macho. Machismo. Yeah. And Myth- it's also everything that goes with it. Uh, all the kind of, I don't know what it is. It but... makes
7: me think of Razor Ramon in the WWF back in the day. He always talked about his machismo. You watch WWF? I did. Once I found
2: out it was fake, I mean, it's fake. Right. Just like, uh, just like John Stossel asked that guy. (laughs) I want to ask, it's fake.
7: Why do people get so into it? Well, I mean, movies and TV shows are fake.
2: That's true. Hmm,
7: that's an interesting point. It's like a stage play. It's a, it's a physical, you know, it's a, so it's a show. That, you know what?
2: You just, you just solved the riddle for me. <laughs> so it's like a play. So everybody there knows it's a play.
7: Oh, yeah. I mean, it, honestly, the funny thing about wrestling and I, I, on, I haven't watched it regularly since the late nineties, early two thousands, but, um, the fans really get into their disagreement with the storyline. In other words, nowadays at, at pro wrestling shows, fans will chant this, this storyline's boring or, you know, get new writers or anything like so. They totally embrace the fact that it's fictional.
2: Um, that's interesting it is yeah, but they um they don't seem like the type that would go to a play or or you know what I mean they're Broadway. not the kind of <sighs> they're a bit more uh I don't know, but that, that look, I don't go to plays, I don't like Broadway, any movie, the worst movie in the world is better than the best Broadway show mm-hmm. that's how I feel that's my policy basically they're yeah. all they they go on too long, the seats are too small, I have no idea what they're talking about, none zero. And they talk way too fast. they, they got to write for, you know, you hear about writing for television, mm-hmm. you know, writing for, they got to write for an audience. I think they're writing for each other. Like, you know, oh, isn't this funny and witty? And blah, 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 blah. I can't hear what you're
7: talking about. By the way, that's another news story that you may be aware of, the fact that the writer's strike is ongoing. There hasn't really been a lot of, like, intrigue or focus, I don't think, amongst the general public in terms of this writer's strike. Maybe not as much as the last time it happened, but um why do you think that is i think it's just there's so much out there like we're alluding to it you know There's streaming tv shows on demand tv shows whatever it may be
2: everybody's distracted everybody's smoking dope and you could sit around for the rest of your life and if you live to the age of four thousand trillion you would never be able to watch all these shows so just because the writers are not writing right now um there's still so much stupid content out there to watch and some of it's great it's totally addictive um I think it's interesting that uh, the Colbert and uh, Fallon and those guys—they aren't on the air because of the writer strike, right? Yeah, right. Well, Can't these freaking guys write? I mean, why are they there? Why, why the hell would you hire Jimmy Fallon if he couldn't? You know, why, why does he need a
7: writer? Right. I don't. I don't. I mean, why, why does uh, Colbert? I mean, it's—they should be very, very embarrassed. Well, it is kind of a different thing. It's a discrepancy, I think, between radio talk shows and TV talk shows, where like those TV talk shows—they're not as driven by the host, really. It's much more about uh, the guests and the...
2: You know, I, I don't really talk about it lately, but I have some insight into that, and that's uh, uh, that's not true of all shows.
7: Well, <laughs> yeah. I guess I'm talking about those late-night, sort of like intended-to-be-comedy type shows.
2: Uh, right. All right. So, anyway, they stink. I think they lost their uh, relevancy a long time ago. And, um, all right, James, well, what is going on in the home front?
7: What's going on? Here in the city? No, you. With me, personally? Yeah, in your marriage situation. Well, let's see. Uh, we just had a family reunion on
2: Saturday. How is the family with your, you know, let's face it, same-sex couples are
7: relatively new. Right. Uh, how is your family with all of that? Very accepting. Very. I never faced a little bit, any problem with that whatsoever.
2: Not even a momentary, wasn't somebody just for a moment puzzled?
7: Yeah, well, I think like I might have told you before. Like my older brother, I don't think he believed me when I first told him. He thought I was joking.
2: Nobody in the world believes you're gay, well, all right? I
7: mean, I, other than the people who really, really know, right? But everybody else, from I mean, now on, I'm going to have to camp it up a little bit. Maybe sh- I should be like, "Oh, Greg, you big lug, something like."
2: That. You know, I'm sorry, my fake gay is so much better than your real gay. All right, I mean, I'm sorry. That was that 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 was a straight guy pretending he's gay. <laughs>
7: Well, but my- no, my family thankfully, you know, everybody gets along and and all that works out. So it was a good time.
2: All right. Well, uh give my best to the mister.
7: <laughs>
1: we'll be right back. Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: Wouldn't it be amazing and it could very well happen that right now the history of this country will be determined by a seven-year-old girl riding a uh, a big wheel in Arkansas right now, off in the mountains uh, on some dirt road riding a big wheel, uh, seven years old. This girl, her name is Navy, the daughter of Hunter, the granddaughter of the President of the United States, uh, and the President will not acknowledge her existence, and people are catching on. People are catching on, regular people, people who don't follow the news as closely as we do, are finally figuring it out. Wait a second. He has what, where, and won't, right? So uh, I found this tweet from October of 2020. This is back when he's asking everybody to vote for him, right? And this is Joe Biden. He says, I've had a rule my entire life. No matter what's happening, no matter how important the meeting, I'll always answer a call from my grandchildren. How about that one, huh? How about that? That seven-year-old has to go to court to get your son to acknowledge her and do the right thing and pay child support. You're the president of the United States. You brag about how many granddaughters you have, but you won't go to the next number, seven. You got six, but you won't say seven. And oh, by the way, this is not some conspiracy theory. It's been established by a paternity test. Uh, there have been numerous court rulings about this. This is Hunter's kid. And with that tweet, where he's bragging about that rule. No matter what's happening, I'll always take a call from my grandchild. He actually put a he actually put a little video snippet of him talking to his grandkid. What an unbelievable ham. A worst kind of show-off. Uh, go ahead, please, with this.
10: Hey, By the way,
5: did you get a picture of the dogs? <laughs> I tell you what, did you see the message they sent? They said they miss you. I miss you too, Angel. Okay, I'm heading home now. I'll call you when I get back to Delaware. I love you, baby. Bye, bye. She's an
2: incredible kid. You know, there may not have been anybody on the phone. <laughs> I feel he was a little bit too. Did you get the picture of the dog I sent you? Okay, all right. Okay, I'll give you. It, it. I think the whole thing was phony because he's just he's just just doing it right for the camera. The thing he writes is no matter what's happening, no matter how important the meeting, I'll always answer a call from my my grandchildren. But he's like sitting in a. In then like, out of a, in a, like a hallway. He was not, he didn't just come from a meeting. You can tell from the picture. All right. He's been there and he's posing. It's like, this is probably take four, knowing Joe Biden, right? They didn't do that just once. The dishonesty, the deception plagues our society, especially our government. Now, this is the moment where I think that Christopher Ray, you know, a lot of the stuff is bureaucratic snake cheesiness, uh, you know, skirting the issue, deflecting, uh, obfuscating all that stuff. But here, I think he gets caught in a lie in a full-out—you know—just he's not telling the truth. You ready? Okay, this is Congressman Andy Biggs doing the questioning of uh, the FBI director just a little while ago. Go ahead.
10: Things here, and and I, please don't don't distract here because we're focusing on the, those who were there in an undercover capacity on January 6th. How many were there?
4: Uh, again, I, I'm i not sure that I can give you that number as I sit here. I'm not sure there were undercover agents uh on scene. You. you
10: I find that kind of a remarkable statement, Director. At this point, you don't know whether there were undercover federal agents, FBI agents in the crowd or in the Capitol on January 6th.
4: I, I say that because I want to be very careful. There have been a number of court filings related to some of these topics and I want to make sure that I, I stick within what's in that.
10: i I understand that, but I, I just, I thought I heard you say you didn't know whether there were FBI agents or informants or human sources in the Capitol or in the vicinity on January 6th. I heard heard the same thing. Well, I referred
4: very specifically to undercover agents.
10: Yeah. And so are you acknowledging then
4: there were undercover agents? As I sit here right now, I do not believe there were undercover agents uh, on scene.
2: Okay. That's the thing. He's playing. I do. uh, His direct quote, I'm not sure there were undercover agents on scene. I'm not sure there were undercover agents on scene. By this point, he's sure. By this point, he knows. Now, maybe he knows that there were no undercover agents because they got a, like a 50 different classifications of, uh, they got plain clothes agents. They've got detailed agents. They've got active duty agents. They've got surveillance agents. They've got undercover agents. They got a million different agents. And that's the word game he's playing. The bureaucratic deception. Wow. The bureaucracy. Watch out. And they are, they think they're more important than we are. Don't forget, this is the bureau, right? Lisa Page, uh, Peter Strzok, who engineered, they thought, the defeat of Donald Trump in 2016. Remember how hard they were working? Remember those text messages? Where is our apology for any of that stuff? Where is it? We're owed one. You know, if Microsoft apologizes for building a factory on some land that they say some Indian owned uh, 300 years ago, we need an apology for FBI personnel who are paid by us for screwing up uh, the Trump administration and trying to thwart a uh, free and fair election. I think we need an apology, don't you? Um, Oh, Barbara, I'm sorry. Hello.
6: Hi, Greg. Good afternoon. I was just listening to um, our mayor telling us how God has appointed him and therefore he is not to be criticized and so forth. And when you were talking about that, again, you were, we were reciting what one of our founders said. Reverend John Leland said, when it came to people using re- religion as an election issue, he said, guard against those men who make a great noise about religion. Those must be rejected. For their wrangle about it proves they are void of it. And then he goes on to say exactly what you've been saying about President Trump. Let honesty, talents, and quick dispatch characterize the men of your choice.
2: I love it. Would you mind sending me those? They're good, they're good, they're good. I know it says something in the Bible about, you know, authority, civilian authority is to be respected because it wouldn't happen without God's permission. Uh, but he lets things happen for all kinds of reasons, and sometimes it's to test, and sometimes it's to even provoke. And uh But anyway, Eric, I don't think he was talking about you.
1: Greg Kelly on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
8: Hard is having someone talk down to you and expect for you to take it, no matter what they say and what they do. I am the symbol of black manhood in this city, in this country, and what it represents. I'm the mayor of the most powerful city on the globe, and people need to recognize that.
2: Wow, hey, ooh, 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 Emperor Adams, Um, I, he's uh, totally delusional, he's drunk with power. Unfortunately, he's the mayor, and unfortunately, Curtis Sliwa is not the mayor. I voted for him. <laughs> uh, my friends and family voted for you, Curtis. What do you think when you hear some nonsense like that?
9: Without knowing it, you think it's a skit on Saturday Night Live, right? That can't be real. But he's done this now twice at two different black churches where he first starts talking about how God had woken him up in a cold sweat 30 years before and said, Eric, you will be mayor on January 1st of 2022. Okay. And he talks about his other conversation where God suddenly reaches out to him and tells him what to do. But all of a sudden, he, he's creating this form of idolatry of himself. Hmm. Almost like what you would expect of uh, uh, Papa Doc Duvalier, you know, of uh, some kind of totalitarian dictator where everybody is, everyone is supposed to bow to him, uh, believe his propaganda. You can't question him. And let's face it, Greg, the most disgraceful scene was when he discussed in his town hall meeting what he said was a woman's plantation ownership as if he were a slave. She turned out to be an 84-year-old white Jewish woman who, luckily, whose parents escaped the Holocaust with her as a baby, or they would have ended up in Auschwitz. And the next day, okay, we all make mistakes, Greg. You've made mistakes. I've made mistakes. Oh, boy, have I made mistakes. On the air, I've had to come back and apologize. He doubled down, and then he hid behind his mother. Now, I didn't know his mother personally. She had to be a good woman. She had to raise a lot of kids on her own. You know every mother would tell her son, always respect the elderly. Never, <laughs> never, never chastise the elderly. That had to be. Every mother would tell you that.
2: Yeah, look, we had no beef with Eric Adams' mom. Uh, actually, we were just like Eric Adams to stop lying about his mom. I think this is a great big uh, fat whopper. Uh, cut 17, please.
8: They would disrespect her. Talk down to her. She would come home. Fired again, and I would wait up late at night for mommy. And she walked through the door and said she was fired again from a job. She said it was my job to clean your garbage pal, not to take your crap.
2: <laughs> that audience knows. A big chunk of it knows that they were just fed a line. Of course, a, a line of crap. Uh, he didn't wait up late. She didn't say that. Nice lady, I'm sure. This is race baiting. This is, I think he's panicking a little bit. Um, the job is definitely too big for him. Uh, those are some of the things that are happening. And he doesn't know what to do other than wear the suits and talk a big game. He does not know how to yeah, run and the city.
9: By the way, he keeps saying in all of his appearances, they said this is the second toughest job in America. I'm waiting for it to get tough. It's like, are you kidding? If I had been lucky enough to be elected mayor, Greg, I'd be throwing lifelines out to everybody, anybody who had any experience, anybody who was knowledgeable, anybody who could help the city of New York. I would not be claiming, when does it get hard? Right. Because either that or you're not doing your job and you're spending too much time at night going to the Club Zero Bonner and breaking night till the break of dawn.
2: And he doesn't seem to understand that this is public service. This is not um, an ego trip. This is not for him. You know, you, you want to tell your friends and family, I can't believe I'm the mayor. Okay, that's one thing. But you got a job to do. He's not doing it. Um, all right, so what are you thinking about? I Look, I just told one of the viewers, I don't know, I mean, you've heard me toy with the idea of running. Um, this
9: would be great, a great primary, me and you, Greg. So you're running? absolutely what do you think i oh, can take man. this guy up now but greg just wait think. a second wait, 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 you'll wait. have the backing of your own father your father would never ab- abandon your son even though you and your father and i have been good friends this should be great this well, would be good I, for the republican
2: party i can't i can't be but yeah just like it was good for you and fernando mateo yeah, i crushed him yeah I, I don't want to get into a political battle with you so we'll have to maybe somebody will make one of us an offer we can't refuse Exactly. <laughs> exactly but either way
9: either way whether it's you greg or me the city would be in much better shape than it is now. This man is crazy. Remember, de Blasio was lazy and a crook, but Eric Adams is clearly crazy.
2: Yeah, no, that's uh, the, 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 here's a little bit of the crazy right here. Uh, and the crazy and the ego out of control. Cut 13, please. Cut 13.
8: I think that. You've had a lot of mayors that did the waltz, one two three, one two three, one two three. I do the boogaloo, I salsa.
2: Okay, there's the uh, there's the ego. There's the and the, here here's here's the flat out racism. Okay, you mentioned the plantation remark. Here's a uh, cut fourteen, please.
8: Every day in the police department, I kicked those crackers' ass, man. I was unbelievable. <laughs>
9: Unbelievable! Now, well, Greg, you know that line was released after our campaign was over. Now, would it have made much of a difference at that point? Maybe a little bit.
2: You sure? I mean, I, that happened in 2019.
9: Yeah, it was. Did not released? see it during the. No, not during the campaign. It came out after the campaign, and then remember, he went to uh, to Pat Lynch. She apologized to PBA because it got another round of attention. I think this was actually out there. It may not have been publicized. No, it wasn't publicized. The New York
2: no. Times didn't write about it, but nope. those of us who were, you know. Who knew Eric Adams over the years and knew what a lowlife he was. And he you know, was we a were... house
9: mouse. Look, I made hey, one... wait, wait,
2: wait, wait. Let's talk about that. The house mouse. I love it. That's what cops call cops who don't want to be cops. Right.
9: They stay in the <laughs> precinct. They take their civil service tests. They earn their white shirts. Then they get white shirt immunity. And they don't have to do anything after that. He never busted his shoes. Ask him how many arrests he made. Now, Greg, you know me. I've made citizen's arrests. Probably a 100 more than he ever made arrests in his lifetime as a cop. He was a good test uh, a test taker, and he said, I was a disruptor in the police department. Yeah. And that was my purpose.
2: That's why he joined. That's why he joined, to uh, to mess around and to uh, cause trouble. Well, and, you know, the thing about God, and I want to play this one more time, uh, because I think he is, you called it idolatry. I think that's a pretty good way to characterize it. But he doesn't understand that God works in all kinds of ways. You know, he was elected mayor, maybe. So I would look within me and say, you know what, maybe I should run, or maybe it's Curtis's turn, or who knows.
9: That is a good spin on that, Greg.
2: No, but I know it works that way. I absolutely know it works that way, and the idea that we're supposed to – he thinks somehow we're supposed to bow down and worship him. Cut 20, please. Cut 20.
8: He said, I've taken this broken child and made him the mayor, and you are still, oh, ye of little faith, question his abilities of what he's doing. You question him if you want. I know who God I serve.
2: Now, he's going back and forth between God's voice and his voice and your voice, so he's all over the place. Now, now
9: Greg, you're a lot more religious than I am. You're a lot more godly than I am. <laughs> is, is there a particular telephone number that I could call up? Because all during the campaign... God never answered me in my need, you know, in my time of need, well, never. I'm going to
2: ask you something, Curtis. Yes. If you don't need a telephone, and I want you to be honest. Did you ever uh, get on your knees and ask Him?
9: Did I ever get on my knees and ask God? Yeah. No. Is
2: that is that in part? of sense, it? sense, you got to start. You got, the knees part probably not. That's you know to get on your knees. I mean, it, 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 it's but put yourself at His at His will, Curtis. At his will.
9: Are, are you guaranteeing me this, that he'll talk to me like he spoke to Eric Adams? I Adamus?
2: cannot guarantee it. Well, I can guarantee you this, that your life will change forever.
9: That much I like said. But I want to know why he chose black Jesus over Curtis Lee. <laughs> I really want to know. Well, it's as if God the Father sent us black Jesus we, in the form of we, Eric we Adams. We do know that God works
2: in mysterious ways. Is He the Mashiach? And
9: look, there's... Is He the Messiah? Has He returned in this? Please. God does not, um, you know, look, if everything
2: were peaceful and beautiful, where would the, life would be pretty dull. If we had no choice, we always have a choice. We can choose, we can choose well or we can choose the hard. That is true. And we're not sheep. I mean, sometimes we we are sheep, but free will is part of this equation. And, uh, yes, it would not have happened without his green light, but again, he can turn, he can turn anything around into such a, something beautiful and amazing. So
9: I don't know how it works, but I know it works. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to try it. And if he doesn't respond to my call, <laughs> I'm coming back here. I want a rebate from you, Greg. Kelly. Kurt,
2: Curtis, wait a second. Now it costs you nothing. Remember that. Well, that's true. And he's been so good to you. God, if oh, I may.
9: Hell
8: yes. He's I mean, been great many? to me. Wait
2: a second. Now wait a second. You were shot. Five times?
9: Hollow point bullets.
2: Just like the Godfather.
8: They yeah, God, got him five times and he's still
9: alive. Worse than that, I was divorced five times. You know, I'd rather get shot five times than get divorced five so times. So
2: after the third marriage, didn't you think like, okay, maybe maybe I'll just Great. date. Maybe I'll date.
9: You know, I like to blame my mother, Francesca, bless her soul, because whenever I would bring the lady of my life home, she would say, Curtis, do you love this woman? i say, yes, Mom, I love her. And you must do the right thing by her. You must marry her. I said I just got to a divorce. No. Remember, it's, it's the family here. It's the Bianchino family, her family, and the Sliwa family. You must marry her if you love her.
2: Nah, you needed to be like, uh, Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. I settle down almost every night, mom. <laughs> 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 but why didn't you find a good girl and settle- I settled down almost every night? That
9: you know, your mom said a lot of things. I don't think you bait your mother in everything, but uh, no listen. Well, look I gotta blame somebody, right? Instead of me being such a stunod. It all worked. What is a stunod actually? What is that? A real dummy. You know, a real dummy. I mean, we got, I, we got a few of them who work around here. I'm not, I'm not saying anything, Diego and, uh, Rico Rubber, Robertelli, Rabbitelli, yes. whatever your name is.
2: <laughs> I heard about you and the, uh, the, the on air critiques. Uh, these guys are doing a great job. All right. So going forward. Yeah. Five times you got shot. Let me just ask you this. I've heard of people getting shot and sometimes they say they don't realize they were shot or it feels like they were punched. Uh, they didn't realize it. Um, did you realize it
9: right away? Yes. yes. Oh, immediately. The worst cramping you could ever imagine. You can barely breathe. You know what was worse than getting shot five times with uh, hollow point bullets? Chronic Crohn's disease that I had for two years. It 23 hours a day. The pain was so intense. If you asked me, what would you prefer to go through again? Get shot. Chronic Crohn's disease or getting shot five times, I'd say, please shoot me right here five times.
2: Five times. That was the Crohn's disease. I don't even want to know what Crohn's disease oh, is. It's il- intestinal, so right? So many
9: of our listeners, ileitis il- no, il- I- colitis, e- chronic Crohn's no, disease. I- I'm oh.
2: familiar. I'm familiar. I don't have it. never haven't had it, but oh, I know it's never. Hopefully never. Hopefully never. All right. So you got shot, and uh how how long until you were walking again and back at work?
9: Well, I, I got back work relatively quickly, but about two years before I was normalized. I had a colostomy bag. I was impotent, incontinent. In fact, that was one of the reasons that I got divorced. I opened up the front page of the New York Post, believe it or not. I was in WABC doing Angels in the Morning with Lisa. Front page, Lisa divorce divorcing Curtis. No internet at that time. I said, what's this?
2: She was right there.
9: It was no fault divorce at that time. No, no fault divorce. You had to have a reason. She said, well, you didn't hit me. You didn't take the money. I controlled the money. You weren't mentally cruel to me. So I had to say you were withholding favors. I said I was impotent. I was shot for two years.
2: Yikes. Everything working fine, though, right? Well,
9: hopefully. Hopefully the plumbing is working now.
2: We'll have to ask uh, other people. Uh, (laughs) Curtis, you're amazing. Curtis Sliwa. Come on,
9: let's get it on, Greg. A nice Republican primary for
2: mayor. Oh, boy. No, can I Wilson Bakula you or something like that, yeah, or you can I? Well, on the I isn't there a, isn't there a shortcut here? I don't want to. I, I I got debating you and WABC. Oh, this be so good. No, I mean Curtis, we want to win. We want to change the city. We can't just put on a show. We got to get. We got to get serious. And I know there are going to be some things you do different. Well, you next know who time. we
9: should call upon as our rabbi should be Rudy Giuliani, the greatest mayor of our lifetime mm-hmm. ever ever in the city of new york it
2: is amazing right in this space right now we got you we got rudy um we got a past mayor we got a past mayoral candidate i think we may have a future mayor i don't know remember
9: our owner operator was a mayoral candidate john Katzmatidis. and you know what maybe maybe
2: he's the guy maybe he should do it i mean have you seen him lately he looks great we have
9: to consult with our consigliere rudy giuliani um I got to consult with the wife, <laughs> and uh, and of course the voters. All right, everybody, we'll be right back. Thank you, Curtis. Anytime,
1: Greg Kelly, entertaining and informative on the Red Apple Podcast Network.
2: Uh, let's see. Tommy Tuberville. He's still kind of, uh, in crisis mode. They're all coming at him trying to call him a racist. He's not a racist. He said out loud 15 times he wasn't a racist in 90 seconds. Um, in the very moment they say he said something racist. All right. It's such a, it's such a sham and poor guy. I like him a lot. The coach of the, what was he? Auburn or University of Alabama, some college football team. He was very, very good. And oh, by the way, he worked with more, um, people who did not look like him, as they like to say, uh, than anybody in the United States Senate, uh, most of them, and uh, a great guy. What he's saying is, this is the senator from Alabama, that uh, the Pentagon cannot be running a travel agency for uh, soldiers who want to get abortions and are taking advantage of a sudden and politically motivated largesse, generosity, um provided by the government that we pay for uh, to pay for abortions, to shuttle them all over the country to get abortions. After the Dobbs decision um, in certain states where you can't get an abortion, well, the military is saying we will pay for you to get to wherever you need to go to get your abortion. We'll give you three weeks off, and we won't charge it as a, as a vacation time, and uh, you'll be paid while you're there. And what was the other thing? Oh, yeah, free airfare. Free, that's the most important, free airfare. And, oh, by the way, your dependents, you might be in the military, maybe you're a man, maybe your wife uh, is a civilian, your wife can go get the abortion. I mean, yeah, that's the kind of stuff that's going on here. And Tommy Tuberville, who is an elected representative of, uh, let's see, the people, is saying no to these generals, to these uh, various secretaries of defense, former president otherwise, saying this is damaging our readiness. No, it's not. No, it is not. I'm telling you firsthand, that is a scam. OK, the commandant of the Marine Corps, there's no officially sworn in commandant of the Marine Corps. Uh, my offer still stands. All right. Well, I'm not going to give you a million dollars. But if you can name and don't look it up who the commandant of the Marine Corps was until Monday. Right. Do you know who it is? No, nobody does. Nobody, nobody in the regular world would know that kind of thing. And actually, in most of D.C., nobody knows that. Um, it was a terrible guy, a terrible general. Named, uh, Berger, who gave away all the tanks. I mean, he was the work, he set the Marine Corps back decades. Um, it's just a relief that he's no longer running the Marine Corps. Um, and now the liberals are pretending that this is a, this is the worst thing that ever happened and we must get a commandant of the Marine Corps. I don't think I've ever, you know, I was a Marine, 1991 to, when did I get out? Uh, 2000, active duty. And then I stayed in the reserves until like, uh, 2012 or so. I don't think I ever heard the Commandant of the Marine Corps, that title, ever mentioned on the media. One time, 60 minutes, they tried to say the Commandant of the Marine Corps is racist. Of course, 60 minutes. Poor guy, General Mundy. It was a total, another, another setup job. So the pressure is, uh, pretty intense right now on Tommy Tuberville. Um, he made it clear, look, white nationalism. I don't know from white nationalism. That's what he was saying. What was happening in the early days of this administration, you guys were trying to lump all of these elements in together to besmirch MAGA, all right? You were pretending that MAGA was something that it wasn't, that MAGA was white supremacy. MAGA is not white supremacy. It is the opposite of white supremacy. And white supremacy, oh, by the way, stinks, and everybody knows that. But they try to unfairly uh, tarnish us and say, oh, wait a second, uh," no, just totally unfair. And, uh, but that's what happens. And, uh, the, the, the fake news is, is running with it and running with it. Oh, we have a vacancy on the joint chiefs. Now even Fox News is trying to make a big deal out of this. And, you know, you can fake people who've never served in the military. And then what they will do is, uh, the fake news, they will look, they will selectively pick people with military experience, former military experience. It's like there are millions of people who served in the military. Just find one who agrees with you. I can find 10 who don't agree with you. You know, it's a little bit you – you see this sometimes, God bless them, with the 9-11 families, right? That whatever political point of view you are pushing, you can find a uh, a family, sometimes a family member, to augment what you believe in and, and pretend that that's all of the 9-11 families. It's a fairly it's, – it's somewhat diverse, actually, right? And some endorsed uh, – uh, George W Bush summoned enjo- endorsed John Kennedy that was a big that was the hot year 2004 and 9 11. they were so many of them were exploited they deserve our reverence and respect uh not to be dragged into these kinds of things and the same goes for military people don't you think all right almost done that was fun talking to Curtis what do you think do you think he really you think we really have to primary each other I, I just that then that makes it Mm. That makes it that makes it less uh, less less intriguing. You know, I don't want to I don't want to take on my friend. I don't want to beat him that bad. I mean, I, I would be terrible for his morale. I know he he'd be a real force to be reckoned with here. Uh, and we'll see. All right, Steve. Hi.
9: Hello there. How are you, Greg? Good. Hey, uh, Greg. I'm just curious if you happen to know what uh, Joe Biden's favorite Disney movie is. What? That would be Snow White and the Six Dwarfs. Ah, very good, actually. I like that. <laughs> Snow- thank
2: you. Yeah, well, well done. I'm well moving- done. I, I got to get another one. Uh, thank you. I, I'm going to remember that. Tony in Clifton. Hi.
6: Hi, Greg. Listen, I think when God calls you to be mayor, he's going to speak to your heart with his word. He's not going to speak out loud like Mayor Adams. And I think he's going to say, for I know the plans I have for you plans to prosper you and not to harm you and to give you a hope in a future. That's how our God talks to us. And I wish you all the best.
9: Well,
2: Tony, thank you so much. I think I agree. It's beautiful. It's some, you know, and but we got to do our part. You know, we just can't sit around asking for stuff and expecting stuff. We all have to do our part. We got to work hard. He's given us some rules to follow, as you know, and uh, it's a, it's uh, we have a lot of responsibility. Hey, Tony, thank you. Pastor Jay, I'm sorry about the time. Jim, Frank, Rachel, and the rest to be continued tomorrow Uh, poor Chris Ray is still getting it and he deserves it dishonest man um, a bureaucratic animal
0: traffic jams tailgating pile-ups Ugh, the joys of driving how could it get worse